please let's be seated. It's Love Lamb Sunday. <laughs> you know, but it's pre-cultural revival service. Praise God. You know, so it's more between one service this morning. You know, so one of the ways you can prepare your hearts, you know, is to ensure you are, you know, in tune with the spirits in this season. You can't receive um, spiritual things in a carnal state. And um, in case we're not aware, our fasting started today. How many of us have eaten today? <laughs> All right. You know, thanks to the media graphics department, the person in question knows himself. I will not, I will not put you on the spot. But we're supposed to have posted it yesterday. But it has already been announced, right? So the fasting starts today, right, and ends next week Sunday. And we're going to be ending with the media press party. So... After we have prayed, after we have received from God, and next week Sunday we are going to dance, praise God, and celebrate like never before, you know. Because one of the greatest demonstrations of faith is gratitude. If someone promises you something, tomorrow I'm going to give you $5,000. What do you say? Have you received it? But why do you say thank you? Because you believe you will get it. So anything you have prayed about and said amen to that you have not praised God over, you don't really believe it. You don't really believe it. Because when a mortal man tells you, I'll give you something after the service, I'll give you something tomorrow. When you believe in the integrity of that person, instinctively you just say thank you. You just say thank you. And that's what we're going to be doing the last day of the Codred Revival. We're going to praise God. And remember, if you've not filled your expectation cards Make sure you get that done on before Wednesday. I think we still have some. So if you don't have your expectation cards ready um, yet, if you don't have your expectation cards yet, please kindly signify. Um, Royal Gas kindly slip it into every hand, right? One of the things that we do at the Breakthrough Festival, which is our New Year conference, is how we start the year. And the Codred Revival, that we step into the second half, right, is that we pray over our expectation cards in every service. That's one of the things we're going to be doing throughout the Codred Revival. So make sure you get a copy in case you haven't. And please don't get two copies. Don't get for someone, right? Make sure it is your own copy. Praise the Lord. And also I said something last week Sunday. Um, one of the things the Spirit of God laid in my heart. If anyone is trusting God for anything in the house, I want me to agree with you, right, um, prayerfully. You want me to join you in prayers, right? Kindly document it and you can drop it in the offering basket when the offering is being received. It will get to me. The ones that were dropped last week already have it. I'm already praying over it. So I'd encourage you to do that. Hallelujah. All right, so this morning I want to teach um, in this family and friend service, which we call our Love Lounge. Um, in case you're worshiping with us for the very first time, every last Sunday of the month, we dedicate it to family life re-engineering. That is, we focus on teaching on how to build successful marriages and relationships from God's Word. And this morning, I'm going to be teaching in this month's edition of Love Lounge on how to overcome and break free from depression. Or you can just say how to overcome depression. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 14 to 23. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 14 to 23. First Samuel chapter 14, um, 16, verse 14 to 23. What translation is that? <laughs> All right. The King James Version says, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Can we read all read it together? All right. So let's go clear your throat. All right. So can we read out loud together? Want to go? The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from... Okay, so let's hold on. Is that evil spirit from the Lord? So I've taught us several times. It's a wrong... Um, it's a mistake from the translators. 
God, the Bible says God is good. In him there is no variableness. No shadow of turning, right? So there is no evil spirit from God because you can only give what you have. But what that simply means is that when the spirit of God leaves, because nature abhors a vacuum, the devil spirits will automatically inhabit a man's life. So God did not send evil spirits. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So let's read it again. One to go. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now, an evil spirit from God troubles you. Let our Lord now command your servants, which are before you, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an app. And it shall come to pass, when the evil spirit from God is upon you, that he shall play with his hand, and you shall be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore, Saul sent messengers unto Jesse and said, Send me thy David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass, laden with bread, and a bottle of wine, and a kid, and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. Our voices are dropping. And Saul went to Jesus, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, and David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. Can we have that other translation, please? Um, I'm going to read out from message translation. Okay, so this also says evil spirit. All right. So the message translation actually puts it this way. It says, at that very moment, the spirit of God left Saul and its place, a black mood, settled on him. It says he was terrified. Saul's advisor said, this awful tormenting depression from God is making your life miserable. So it simply means the evil spirit they were referring to there was depression. So that simply tells you and I that depression is a manifestation of evil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because it has almost become something that a lot of people embrace and see as normal in our age and time. You know, they say mental health, you know, I'm depressed. It's almost a badge of honor. What's wrong with you? I'm going through depression. <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I, okay, don't let me jump ahead of myself here. So we need to see it for what it is. Depression is not just a feeling. It's a byproduct of, um, or should I call it, one of the arson, uh, um, weapons in the devil's arsenal for destroying someone's life. And that's why here, the Bible says that the servants of Saul realized they saw certain things that was happening in the life of Saul. And they knew that if he continued that way, he was going to self-destruct, which eventually happened anyway. Look at what they said. They said that an awful, this awful tormenting depression is making your life miserable so it is very difficult to live life to its fullest when someone is depressed let me tell you someone might say this morning oh me i'm not depressed <laughs> i've told us several times knowledge has both an immediate value and a post-dated relevance so you may think you don't need it now but a time is going to come in your life if you are not yet in that state when you are going to need it and the reason why we're talking about this at the Love Lang service is because every negative emotion allowed to linger over time will take a toll on you, your productivity and relationships. 
And let me tell you this, it's very difficult and almost impossible to build a quality relationship with someone that is depressed. I'm going to say that again. It's almost impossible or very difficult to build a quality and solid relationship with someone that is battling with depression. Because when someone is going through, you know, a season or a season of depression, nothing else matters. Their work no longer matters. Their children no longer matters. Their, everything just shuts down. And so it's very difficult in that state because um, you cannot give what you don't have. And one of the things that characterizes that state is that you really don't want to even give anything to anyone anyway. You just want to be by yourself. And statistics, according to the World Health Organization, has revealed that depression will be the world's deadliest disease by 2030. Not cancer, but depression. And I'm not surprised, because you know why? Especially with this transgender move. You see, the devil, I've told us several times, the devil is not stupid, like many believers think. It's very strategic. Very, very strategic. You know, um, I was having a conversation, or oh, no, no, not the conversation, you know, my pastor was saying to me, and um, he said that someone very close to him in the United States, you know, who knows about all this medical, surgical procedure, people used to change their sex, you know, and all those things. He said, there is no one that has gone through that procedure that is not on antidepressants. There is no one. Not that most of them are on it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not that most of them, 98% on, on antidepressants. It's 100%. Now, one of the things that happens when they do carry out that surgery is they already prescribe antidepressants for them because they know they will be depressed. They just know. They say by 2030, you see, the devil will make things acceptable and tolerable, but he will not tell you where it's going to end up. He tells you it's love. See, God is love, but all love is not God. Never forget that. God is love, but all demonstration of love is not of God. And so by 2030, they said depression is going to be a killer disease. It will not take your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Suicide, which is often the end result of depression, is even increasing among 18 to 23-year-olds. There was a time that suicide among high school students, that is secondary school students, were non-existent. But it has gradually become the new normal. Now you have secondary school students who are depressed. I'd be wondering, what's pressing you? <laughs> because when we were in secondary school there was nothing <laughs> you were as free as a bird life was just but today you see secondary school students and if we are not careful he's about to get to primary school see the devil is not just after you he's after your generation that's why when Moses told Pharaoh let us go and worship our God you know the first offer that Pharaoh made to him he said no problem you can leave but leave the children behind so I'm going to teach on it one of these days. The believers compromise. You see, the devil would always present offers to you. So no problem. You, you're already old. You're on your way out. You are dying. Don't worry. You can go. Just leave your children. And you know the devil today, it has even become a normal thing. People go to church. They leave their children behind. You say, you know, that, um, I, I don't want them to be tired. If a child is not tired, what is the child supposed to be? When they play, don't they, they don't get, get, get tired? So we offer things to you. So that's what the devil said, speaking through Pharaoh. Because never forget that Pharaoh himself was a god. He said, so go worship, no problem. Go worship, but leave the children behind. 
Leave them behind. Leave them behind. And that's why today, when you look at the policies in developed nations, it will shock you. Today, we have policies that say that in Canada, as a parent, you cannot tell your child not to do transgender. So if your child comes home and say, Dad, you say, yes. He said, yesterday I was a boy. You say, of course. Say, from today I'm a girl. You dare not tell that child. What nonsense is that? I was having a conversation with my sister, one of my sisters out of the country recently. And we're talking on the phone and the son was just misbehaving. And she just said it in Yoruba so that nobody will hear. You say, ah, Omar do me, me ole fuen baju. You know, just like, ah, well, you know what you were signing up for when you left the country. In a country where you can't correct your child, is abuse. Even when the Bible says, spear the road. Did the Bible say it? It was a trick. <laughs> that's not how the Bible, but the Bible are used to that, right? But that's not how we put it. You know, there are many things people say, the Bible said. Everyone help those who help themselves. I'm going to say, yes, it is true. The Bible never said that. <laughs> Praise God. So he said that today, more than 5,000 people between age 12 to 15 commit suicide each year. More than 5,000 people. Hmm. And it is estimated that for every successful suicide in that age group, there were three to five unsuccessful attempts. So it simply means that those who die by suicide, there are more attempts in it that it was not successful. And the major reason is because people are depressed. So if you think that what we're about to talk about this morning is not important, please think twice. Depression, according to the Webster Dictionary, is the state of being dejected, a lowering of vitality or functional activity, an abnormal state of inactivity and unpleasant emotion. Let me put it in simple terms. To be depressed is to have your desire and sense of pleasure exhausted. To be depressed is to have your desire and sense of pleasure exhausted. And please understand that depression is not respecter of persons. It is not a respecter of status. It is not even a respecter of religion. That's why Christians are depressed, even though they are not supposed to be. Muslims are depressed. Buddhists are depressed. Everybody is your status does not matter I, I, I came across a video on YouTube you know it just occurred to me now that I didn't even watch it I didn't have the time to watch it we were doing an interview you know um, with one of the past presidents of the United States Barack Obama you know that was just the part you know if you're watching YouTube on TV there's a way it plays some first few seconds but, so they were asking him said have you been depressed he said many times the most powerful man before in the world so it is not a function of status. You know, some of us just assume when you see people that are comfortable in big cars, living in the best part of the city, you say, they are all made. They are not going through anything. This person cannot be depressed. In fact, sometimes they are the most depressed. So depression is no respecter of age, is no respecter of religion, is no respecter of status, is no respecter of education. Educated people are depressed. Uneducated people are depressed. Illiterates are depressed. Literate people are depressed. Masters, master holders are depressed. They've not mastered depression. <laughs> it has no respect of location and it has no respect for gender. Depression is also a constant state of feeling and the expectation of gloom, doom, and hopelessness. 
Depression is a constant feeling and expectation of gloom, doom, or hopelessness. Depression makes you experience more gloomy days than happy days. So if you have not gotten to the point of clinical depression, sometimes you are still happy, sometimes you still feel excited, but the days that you are sad, those days are more than the days that you are happy. So you, we see you excited today. The next time we see you, we don't know what to place you. We are walking on eggshells. Because we don't know what can happen. Please note that even Christians, even though Christians experience depression, like I said earlier, it must never be seen as a normal experience for the believer. Because having that understanding that depression is a manifestation of evil, we must learn to reject it. We must learn to get to a point where we say to ourselves, others may experience it, but I refuse to experience it. So you may want to tilt towards that or you're about to enter it, but immediately you realize you're tending towards it. You must learn how to get yourself out of it. And let me tell you this, there will be seasons in your life where you will, you know, almost enter into depression. You are not that strong to think it can affect you. Am I making sense? I stand before you today to tell you I've been depressed several times. In fact, it's one of the things I battled with many years ago as a young person. As a young person. And if I'm teaching you now to overcome depression, let me tell you this, I've mastered it. I've mastered it. I've mastered it. I've been depressed to the point of having suicidal thoughts. So if I'm teaching you this morning, you better listen. In Galatians chapter... 5 and verse 22. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, especially, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. You notice the first three things it says. Those are antidepressants. <laughs> if I could put it that way. Because if you are joyful, if you have a sense of peace, if you understand the love of God for you, it will help you fight depression. One of the things depression takes away from you is your sense of joy, your sense of peace. And that's why Jesus said the thief comes to kill, to steal and to destroy. One of the ways the devil steals, you see, the devil does not come with AK-47 and a sword. One of the ways he comes to steal, to kill and to destroy your life is through this depression. Because you will realize that if you are in a constant state of depression, one of the things that will happen is you start losing quality people in your life. Because the people in your life, especially who don't understand, who has not been through it, they will get to a point, they will just, they, they, they will be dissatisfied. They will be like, what else are we supposed to do? They will just leave you. And one of the greatest disservice you can do to yourself when you are going through this season, right, is to isolate yourself. That's one of the things the devil does. Because it is in that process of isolation, it can feed you with thoughts. That's where suicidal thoughts come in. The symptoms and effects of depression. Let's write this down, please. What are the symptoms? What are the symptoms? Number one is pessimism. Pessimism. All of a sudden, you realize that nothing is good anymore. To the depressed, nothing is good, nothing is right. To a depressed person, simple things look so difficult. More hills become mountains. Depressed people always see the negative side of things. When everybody is smiling, everybody is happy, everything is good, they are like, oh, what was, what, what was, why are you this happy? Did you just win a lottery? 
What's wrong with you? Just jumping up and down, jumping up and down. <laughs> the second symptom is loneliness. Depressed people unconsciously withdraw from life and other people. That's why sometimes when I realize that someone you used to be very active, excited, all of a sudden goes off the radar, especially in church. I always send people after them to check on them. Are they okay? Some of you must have gotten that messages, those messages from me. Sometimes I'm just, I'm just checking up for you to be sure you are okay. Because I've been there. I've been there. You just realize that you just want to be alone. And there are some people, you know, they say that, I just want to be by myself. I always tell them, it's not right. Man was not created to, to, to exist by himself. Genesis 2 and verse 18. The Bible says it is not good for a man to be alone. He wasn't just talking about the male gender. Human beings, that's what he was referring to. It's not good for man to be alone. So one of the symptoms, another symptom is just realize that you want to be lonely. You want to be by yourself. You withdraw from people. Especially the people that are dear to you. You keep to yourself. And you think that you can enjoy life by yourself. Because this thing is in levels. Depression, you see, the suicidal thoughts and the clinical depression does not just come suddenly. It comes in phases. And when you realize that you enjoy being more alone than being with people, it has started. Number three is apathy. Apathy. A-P-A-T-H-Y. Apathy. Depression makes you become uninterested in people, in life, and in the things that you once considered as important. You just become uninterested. Uninterested. These symptoms will help you track it. The moment you realize you're about to enter into that mood, into that phase of life, or you see it happening to someone around you. Apathy. All of a sudden, they are not interested in work. They are not interested in business. Money is not coming in, but they are not interested. As a business person, they've not made any sales in the last couple, but they're not just... See, there is a discomfort that is good. There is a dissatisfaction that is positive. But when things are working, things are not working, you are just uninterested. And you know as Christians, you know how we hide it. See, I know God will do it. So what's happening? I'm waiting on God. That's how we hide it. And when someone says they are waiting on God, is it you they should wait on? So when they say they are waiting on God, ah, wait on God. <laughs> Number four is loss of productivity in life and the marketplace. Loss of productivity. Because the moment you become uninterested in things, you will become unproductive. Because you need to be interested in your work. You need to be interested in life before you can make meaning and sense out of life. So the moment you realize that you are falling into apathy, the next thing that will happen is you realize you are becoming unproductive at work. You are becoming unproductive. And depression makes it impossible for you to reach your potentials academically, socially, financially, spiritually. It just makes it difficult and impossible. Number five is fatigue. Depression makes you feel drained emotionally and physically. See, one thing about depression is this. Let me tell you this. It requires energy requires energy. And one of the things depression does is it drains you of energy. The energy you are supposed to channel into productive things. Fatigue. Just realize you are necessarily getting tired. Sometimes it's not just evil physical tiredness but mental tiredness. You want to take a step and 
It's as if all the forces of hell has been let loose against you, pulling you back. Something that normally you will do easily before. Now it's a lot of struggle to get it done. And some of the things that... Okay, let me jump ahead of myself. Number next, symptom, is neutralization or loss of ambition and desire. The neutralization or loss of ambition and desire. One thing that the depressed always say to themselves is, or the question they always ask themselves is, is it really worth it? The moment you begin to ask yourself that question, check it. The devil is about to get access into your life. Is it really worth it? You just begin to question things. All these things that we are even doing, God says, is it that worth it? You know, that was what happened to Elijah. That's why he told us that depression is no respect. It is, it's not even a respecter of anointing. The anointed can be depressed if they allow it. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 to 4. Let's see. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah was one of the most anointed prophets in the Old Testament. Yet, look at what happened to him. This was after his, a major victory. He had just killed the prophets of Baal. The Bible says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with her, how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger out to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Bathsheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might what? He might die. And said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life. For I'm not better than my father's. He can see suicidal thoughts. But why would it happen? He said, is it really worth it? It is enough. So let me just die. So it's not a respect of anointing. So the fact that someone is blowing in tongues like machine gun does not mean they are not depressed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They may be depressed with that tongues. Number seven is irritability. Depressed people react to every little discomfort and when things don't go their way. So when you realize that someone suddenly becomes reactive, irritable, you do something or you say something and the reaction is like a combustion. Ah, you are wondering, what did we carry? What did you throw? Because you know why? Hurting people hurt other people. When you are hurting unconsciously, you don't decide to, but you can only give what you have. So you just realize that ah, all of a sudden this person just realize you are wondering, what did I do? It couldn't have been what I said. It couldn't have been what I did. This person was that's why sometimes as believers we should know better. We should learn to be accommodative. Or accommodating, right? Sometimes when someone, especially when you know that this is not the natural state of this person, sometimes when someone reacts, explodes, it is okay to allow them to explode at that point. Later, go back and meet. Are you okay? Not are you okay like Joe, but I should help me. Like, are you alright? Is everything okay? What's going on? You know. 
And let me tell you this. Maybe I should jump ahead of myself here. When you are going through that season and someone that you believe cares about you, or even if you don't, because it is one day you will realize everybody that cares about you today, it is one day they started caring about you. So when somebody walks up to you, especially in your faith community, right, and you know that this person is not a busybody, you know that this person, you know, walks up to you and says, are you, see, don't just say, oh, everybody has since they are dealing with. Say, I'm fine. When you are not fine. Number next is excessive consumption of entertainment. Excessive consumption of entertainment. Mindless and excessive consumption of entertainment, especially when there is a lot of work to be done, sometimes is a sign of depression. What you are watching, you can't even remember. But you just want something to be playing, to keep your mind busy. How about what I'm talking about? You've been there. We are in the house of God. There's no point. Please raise your hand. My hands are up. So my wife knows. Once you see that I'm watching season film, back to back, I'll be like, man of God, hey, well, all right. <laughs> something must be wrong. Because <laughs> I love watching movies, but not excessively. That's the only way I relax. But when you watch a movie from morning to night, okay, imagine now, you see me tomorrow, could dread is starting on Wednesday, and I'm watching 24. You should know something is wrong. You should know. You should go on top of mountain and start interceding for the man of God. Something is wrong. So some people have deliverables at work. They have clients to call that they have not even spoken to at all. Yet they are watching movies. Sometimes when you are around such people, what you do is not to shout at them. Allow them to watch the movie for a while. Do you understand? And then go to them. What's wrong? Talk to me. Not you. You are just watching movie from morning to evening. See, if you talk like that, they will go somewhere else and hide that movie. They will still be watching it. For some people, it is music. Anything that can just distract them. Excessive consumption of entertainment. Another symptom is excessive sleeping or not enough sleep. So is it that you are oversleeping or you are not sleeping? So someone that sleeps maybe every night, six hours, seven hours, ah, you realize this person, two of hours still snoring. You just don't want to get out of bed because remember, it's a feeling of worthlessness. If, you, if I wake up now, I say, well, what, what is there to do? Oh, let me just be sleeping. And you know, because the end result of depression is death. So you want, because sleep is like death. So there is a feeling that wants you to stay closer to death. You yourself, you can't explain it. And for some people, it's that they are just unable to sleep. If Jesus could sleep in the midst of the storm, he better sleep. <laughs> That's one of the things I dealt with, you know, when I was in the university and I was, I would not just sleep. For a very long time, I had bad sleeping habits. I could stay days without sleeping. Until this year, I saw that even Jesus in the midst of the storm was sleeping. And he says he gives his beloved sleep. And I'm his beloved. So if I'm not sleeping, I must no longer be the beloved. <laughs> Praise God. And the last symptom, there are more, but the last I'll give us this morning is the contemplation of suicide and the thoughts of death. When you begin to have flashes of what life will be like after you are gone, something is wrong. That's when some people say maybe they are doing you. The spirit of death. They are wrong. I'm sorry, they are right, but not completely right. So when you go to an untrained person, they say, ah, they want to kill you from the village. 
That's why you are saying it. Sometimes when people say like coughing, all those things, sometimes that's what they are going through. It's because a normal person should not be saying coughing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, am I saying all the time there is no demonic affliction? That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes, some of the things we call village people is not village people. It's just suicidal thoughts. When you begin to have flashes of death and you find it attractive, and maybe it will even be better safe. So what are the causes? What causes depression? Those are the symptoms. So now let's talk about the causes. Number one, because for every effect there are causes. Nothing just happens. Nothing just happens. Nothing just happens. Whatever is happening in your life today, you consciously or unconsciously allowed it to happen. Because nothing can gain access into your life if you don't give it permission. So number one is temperamental tendency. Temperamental tendencies. We've been a part of the Gateway Church for a while. You know there are four types of temperaments, right? We teach that, especially if you're single, before you get married is one of the things we tell you to learn about. It's in my book, How to Find the Right Person to Marry. There are certain temperaments that should not marry. Not that the marriage cannot work, but we have a lot of issues. And certain things are best avoided. You know. There are times when I have conversation with some couple, you know, because for a while I've been privileged to be in the counseling space. I just ask, are you a firstborn? They say yes. Are you a firstborn? They say yes. Ah. It's not that it cannot work, but you must understand the uniqueness of your union. Because firstborns are used to giving orders. So you will both be giving each other order. <laughs> so the way he walks and leads to depression is this. We know there are four types of temperaments. The choleric, um, the sanguine, the melancholy, and the phlegmatic. And every of these temperaments has their strength and their weakness. Now, the temperaments that are prone, more prone to depression, is the melancholy and the phlegmatic. Why? Because they are naturally quiet. And it's usually their depression that is most disastrous. Because when they are going through it, you don't know. Because they are always quiet. Normally. But if you are a sensitive person, you will realize when people's silence is so loud. You know, there's a way someone's silence can be very loud. You are wondering, ah, ah, what exactly is going on here? So temperamental tendency is the first cause. If you don't learn how to manage the weakness of your temperament, it can put you, you know, in a risky place. Especially if you're a thinker. For most melancholies, they're natural thinkers. They're always in their head. They're creative. And sometimes when you think and think and think and overthink, that thinking can lead to depression. You begin to think about things that you should not be thinking about. And sometimes we tell ourselves, when you say, no, I'm a deep thinker. No, we are tending towards depression. You are not a deep thinker. Because when you think about things to the point where you, you now think of course, you begin to give interpretation to what the person is not saying. Look at how Pastor looked at me today. Why did he look at me like that? And you know, during the message, he said something, and when he said it, he looked in my direction. This must be me he's talking about. I know Pastor did not like him. I know. Because I've never seen him look at us one so person like that. What did I even do? Can you from look? It has a, what did I even do, sir? This life, sir. Eh? It's not everybody that will like you. Mm. Ah, and the church where I was, everybody liked me. Maybe you don't even need church, sir. No, if you are by yourself, nobody will be looking at you anyhow. Before you know it. 
you are out. So when those thoughts start coming, especially for those of us that are quiet, I'm the chief of them. Most people don't believe I'm a quiet person. Most people don't believe. But I've decided to stop trying to convince people. <laughs> but it's the people that live with me that know that I'm a quiet person. And so the Akitola Samuel you see on the stage is not me. This one is anointing. It's not me. Because when I'm not preaching, they, if you talk too much, it's a disturbance. Talking drains me, except when I'm preaching. If you are talking to me normally, as in it's getting so, ah, I just feel as if virtue is leaving me. So naturally for quiet people, you need to pay attention to it. You need to pay attention to it. It's a strength, but that strength can become a weakness. That's why if you have quiet people around you, you need to be checking on them sometimes. Especially when they just disappear. They may be depressed. Number two is hopelessness concerning the future. The second cause of depression is hopelessness concerning the future. When you feel there is nothing waiting for you in the future, the next thought is why wait for the future to arrive? And that's the state in which a lot of Nigerians are now. A lot of Nigerians are hopeless. That's why you see the campaign of the current administration. Why do they call it? Renewed hope. They too, they know. Because when you lose hope, you've lost it all. When people have lost hope, you know it is hope that makes you wake up in the morning. Because even the Bible makes us understand that faith cannot work without hope. Hope is believing that tomorrow will be better than today. But when you get to that point where you are hopeless, you know, you will be depressed. That's why a believer must never allow yourself to get to a point where you are hopeless. Never allow it. Because if you are a student of the world, you will never have any reason to be hopeless. Because the promises of God will give you hope. For instance, this is a season that if you are a member of the Gateway Church, your expectations should be so high. If you are truly plugged into the house, because God has said it is a season of increase. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And this is a season for Kodred Revival. It says it's a season of increase between June and August. That is hope. In the world, you don't have that. You don't have that. So a believer has no reason to be hopeless. You see, when you are hopeless, oftentimes it's because you have lost focus on what is important. The Bible tells us about Saul's servant. After Saul died, Sister Susan is in the spirit. After Saul died, the Bible says the servant of Saul took his own sword and also fell on it. Why? My master is dead. What, what next? How can someone be that hopeless? He just fell on his sword and he died. May you not get to a point of hopelessness. Amen. When you are tending towards hopelessness, may God give you hope. Amen. In the name of Jesus. It's a very powerful prayer I just prayed for you. Because the moment you are not seeing anything about the future, you lose desire. You, lose, you just lose passion for tomorrow. Number three is a inordinate desire and covetousness. Or let's just write it as covetousness. Some people, they are the ones that use their hands to go and put depression into their life. Truthful covetousness. Covetousness. Their whole life is no attraction to them. And so let me tell you this. That is one of the things social media is making now as a normal thing. The spirit of covetousness, and don't think it is a normal thing. The spirit of covetousness is one of the spirit of the last days. And one of the ways the enemy is, you know, allowing that spirit to spread is through technology. 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 You see, with, from year 2000, 
the desire to acquire things literally skyrocketed globally. That's why you see that before the end of 2023, 2024 car will come out. So there is always a catch-up. Those things are okay. Advancement is okay. If you are not careful, you can buy one today and as you are buying it, you see the next one, you are depressed. Yeah, that's the one I should have bought. So you have saved, you save, you save. You bought iPhone. Eventually you bought 13. They now release 14. They say they notch. It's now dynamic island. Say, ah, why didn't I buy that one? Non-iPhone users don't understand that. Sorry. It's, I shouldn't have used that illustration. Um, I don't know much about Samsung because I don't use Samsung. Praise God. But you can get to a point where all of a sudden what you have is no longer desirable. It's what other people have that you find desirable. And you get to a point that until you have it, you are not satisfied. Until you have it, you don't know peace. Check it. Some of the things you think is a desire is covetousness. And the moment you become so covetous and you cannot get it, there are people, do you know there are people that are depressed now because everybody is traveling out and they don't can't travel out. Because they look at their family, you throw everybody up and you know it's not poor people relocating. I hope you know. Oh, you don't know? Oh, maybe I need to tell you that to relocate, it costs minimum. Especially if you are a family, it costs minimum 20 million naira. And that's not with a guarantee of a job when you get there. So this person shared the testimony of how their uncle put money in their account for proof of funds. You look at your own generation, nobody can put You can just go, now like this, you go die in this country. Eh? With all this ball of blue, God. So before you know it, you and when they get there, see, haven't you noticed that most times when people get there, first two, three weeks, they snap picture. After a few months, do they snap picture? Please, live in a real world. Because after three weeks, one month, the reality of where they have moved to settles. After all those pictures you see, is many of them catch up until maybe like three years later. That's when you start seeing picture again. It's the same picture. Say, oh, picture Columba me. <laughs> What I'm going through now is not picture. <laughs> Covetousness. Another cause of depression is unchecked low self-esteem. Unchecked low self-esteem. When you have a low self-esteem and you don't deal with it, when you always have the feeling that other people are better than you, and you don't deal with that low self-esteem, eventually it's going to lead to depression. It's going to lead to depression. Number next is unhealthy comparison. Unhealthy comparison. One of the hallmarks of foolishness has told us in the scripture is comparing your life with other people's life. The Bible says they're comparing themselves with others. It says they are not wise. So when you keep comparing yourself to other people, you compare your wife to another person's wife. So that's how the wife of so-so and so always cook anytime we go there. Why didn't you marry the person? Must be something you saw in that person before you married her. Say, can't you see? Can't you see that every time she wears, you know, I had to learn that. I just got married. Be buying naive because I love heels. I told my wife, I buy you buy. I realized she will use it for photo shoots and the shoes she will not wear it again. <laughs> I just realized I'm wasting money. At the point, I didn't buy it again. But I love heels. I still like heels. But that desire, there's nothing I can do about it again because I realized that when she wears it. In the evening, I'm the one that will suffer for it. I will be massaging the leg. 
Oh, you are not a married man. You are comparing another woman to your wife. Yes, can't you see how Mrs. So-and-so or Sister So-and-so, what do you use? And she won't really like it. It may not be a thing. Many women have died trying to impress their husbands. And women wake up. If you die, you will remarry. You do skincare, skincare, skincare. You bleach. You now have cancer. He will now don't on him. Ah, is that skincare that made that die? The next one he marries. He said, don't do skincare. I like you the way you are. Don't let your life give somebody an opportunity for a rematch. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Live your life with sense. Because now one of the things now is even the normal thing for people to do additional bomb. All those things, you think it will not have medical implication? Say, my loved man likes it big. Why didn't he marry someone that had this big naturally? Unhealthy comparison. And some women too, they are even the ones. Nobody is putting them under pressure. Women comparing themselves. That's why women are the greatest consumers globally. Women buy more than men. At least in volume. But men, most men, they buy one thing. <laughs> I, mean, I don't buy much. When I tell my wife, I want to. <laughs> what do you want to buy? <laughs> one purchase. <laughs> the account we <laughs> Another cause of depression is consistent failure. Consistent failure. One of the things I encourage people to do is this. When you are trying to do something and that thing is not working, it might even be that it is God that told you to do it. Try and do something else that can bring you success in the immediate while you are still doing that thing. Because let me tell you this, the human emotion cannot handle failure for so long. That's why, guys, except God has told you this is your, your wife, you keep asking out a girl, she keeps giving you nail, 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 nail. Very soon as a guy, you will feel worthless. It will affect your confidence to talk to another woman. Some people say, we die here. <laughs> we are married. <laughs> Consistent failure is another cause. Consistent failure. So, find out things you can do that can give you so. No matter how little the success is, do something that can give you a measure of success. Am I making sense? Is this helping anybody? Number next is self-pity. Self-pity. Self-pity is feeling sorry for yourself. It's a chronic brooding over insult, failure and sorrow. So you are constantly feeling sorry. Somebody said something, they corrected you, you know, or they said something you don't like and you start brooding over it, brooding over it, brooding over it. It's the cousin of low self-esteem. Self-pity. Self-pity. And this is usually a byproduct of a negative thinking pattern anyway. So if you are somebody that likes pity party, let me tell you this, that's not what you need. You are going through something, like Buddha says, oh, yeah, sorry. They will keep you more in that state. That's why you notice that Jesus, when he went to the house of Jairus, and he wanted to raise Jairus' daughter, the first thing he did was to send out those that were crying. Because in that atmosphere, no miracle can happen. You have to send them out. Because what is needed in the atmosphere of the miraculous is not self-pity. No, it is not. 
So as long as you surround yourself with people that are always wishing you, you know, um, sympathizing with you, hey, sorry, oh, uh, hey, this life, eh? you will stay long in that state. Another cause is idleness. 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 It is easy for go-getters, right, to fall into depression after a major project has been accomplished and there is no other project. For most business people, that's how they fall into depression. So when you've done a major deal, money has entered, the account shook. And after two, three months, crickets. And I wonder what's happening. That's why, that was what happened to Elijah too. That's why you notice that the scripture where we read earlier, the time Elijah fell into depression was after he killed all the prophets of Baal. When he killed the prophets of Baal. You know why? There was no prophet to kill anymore. No prophets are about to kill anymore. That's why. <laughs> I always tell myself, I always say tomorrow, see that he gave himself another project. You remember that the Bible says that the king sent some soldiers to go arrest him. Fifty of them. When he saw them, he was excited. And finally, there is work to be done. And those ones who didn't know how to talk. So he said, if I be a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and burn you. He burns the first fifty. They sent another fifty. He burns them. Because when there was no project, he gave himself projects. So as a business person, when you're, and almost every business is like that, when you are going through cycles, learn to create, that's why I always tell people, you say, if you are a business person and you still have the opportunity to do a 9 to 5, please do it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I think I spoke about that during how to manage the financial breakthrough. If you're not in that service, please get the messages online. The mistake some business people make is, especially those who have side businesses, once they do a major thing in business, they just resign. It's a foolish thing to do. Because the fact that it happened like that does not mean it will happen immediately. Another one may not come until two months' time. So what will happen within those two months? And if you are in a state of depression, it will make it even impossible for you to recognize the opportunity for the next one. Am I making sense? So if you are a business person and you are fully into business, you need to get yourself in other things. Volunteer in certain places. Be part of certain NGOs. That's why you see that some people are in clubs like Rotary Club. You see that a lot of high net worth people, they are in polo clubs and all those things. Because the moment you become high do, you will be depressed. That's why it's been commonly said, the Bible says and I do I this devil's workshop. <laughs> Did the Bible say it? The Bible said <laughs> The Bible didn't say it. People said it, but it is true. Praise the Lord. Also, a major disappointment or loss can lead to depression. A major disappointment or loss. Maybe the loss of a job, the loss, a loss of a loved one, the loss of a property could lead to depression. And also, finally, let me just keep go to the last one, is demonic oppression. Sometimes depression comes as a result of a demonic oppression. And as believers, we must recognize that. Because when you have done everything you are supposed to do, that thing still keeps lingering. Then at that point, you must address it. You must address it. You must address it. And one of the things you notice is that, or you need to know is this, it is almost difficult for, the, for depression to find expression in the life of a spirit-filled believer. That's why you see, if you are a carnal believer, you are, you are more vulnerable than you can imagine. You are in church, but you are still living like you are in the world. You are an easy target. Serious easy target. You think the devil will go after someone that is on fire before? No, you are the one who will come for first. 
when you watch those medieval epic movies, when there is a war, it is the weak ones they send. They don't send their best soldiers into war first. And you notice that when the enemy wants to attack also, he's always the footman first. Always the footman. The strongest, they keep them at the back on reserve. So what is the cure for depression? How do you overcome it? How do you overcome it? Number one, this is very, very important. Disallow it. Disallow it. You know why I said that? Matthew chapter 18 and verse 18. The Bible says in the King James Version, Matthew 18 and verse 18, it says, whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. It says, whatsoever you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. The way I think is New King James or maybe Amplified that puts it this way. It says, whatsoever you allow on earth will be allowed in heaven. And whatsoever you disallow on earth, it says it will be disallowed in heaven. What that simply means is that as a child of God, you can determine what has access into your life. Literally. So, if you are going through a season of depression, the moment you realize that, no, 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 I'm not supposed to be feeling this way, you can literally stand your ground and say, no more. The devil, you have come this far, you will go no further. No more. I refuse to be in this state. Because it's robbing me of my joy, robbing me of the important relationships in my life, robbing me of my productivity. This cannot be of God. And now you disallow it is with your words. With your words. With your words. You see, that's why sometimes I don't understand, especially when people come to church and you are told to pray. And people can't pray out loud. I already know you are not praying in your house. Because nobody will tell you you are shouting too much or you are praying too much in church. See, the way this thing works is you speak authoritatively so that you yourself, you can hear it. And this one has nothing to do with I'm a quiet person. The way this thing works is you must... Have you... If you've not been to a military camp before, at least some of us, you have done NYNC. Do they whisper orders? Pray, is that how they say it? Artists. Pressure. Is that how they say it? Pray! Even the way they say it, you see how you jack now. That's how you disallow things. When you are disallowing things, the way you speak, even when people are looking at you, they know that this person who come near him is battling with something. He's addressing something. You give orders. You say to the devil, you have come this far, you will go no further. This is not allowed in my space. And let me tell you this. Like those of us that have been joining the 90 days of increase, I've been saying it. It is not what God said that comes to pass in your life. Please read your Bible. There are many things God said in the Bible that did not happen. Until man started saying what God said. Scripture says he has said so that we may boldly say, the reason why we have the word of God is so that you will know what you are supposed to be saying. Many things God said that never happened in people's life. Until people started praying about it. Until they started declaring it. That was when things started happening. That's why in Numbers 14, 28, God himself said, As you have said in my ears, so will I do. Not as I've said in your ears. But as you have said in my ears. Because God can, he can say anything. He has given his promise. Both to, there are promises God has made to mankind, not just believers. Mankind. So number one is you must learn to disallow it. As a believer, you must know that everything is not allowed in your life. Everything is not allowed. Everything is not allowed. Number two, focus on what is working. 
Focus on what is working. Depression sometimes comes through focusing on the wrong thing. I already said that. So you must learn to focus on what is working. One of the ways the devil allows depression into your life is if we allow you to be paying attention to the things that are not yet working. And let me tell you this, there is nobody, whether saved or unsaved, that everything goes bad in their life at the same time. Nobody. I can tell you, no matter how worse you think your situation is, if I sit down with you for 30 minutes, I can tell you the things working in your life. But you know what the devil does? He takes your attention off those things and he makes you feel your life is over. You are finished. Is it not the same Elijah that said it is enough? God, I want to die. Is it not the same one that chapters later he still had the same anointing to call down fire? So it means the anointing is still there. But the devil will make you feel there is nothing else. He will put your attention on the job you have not gotten. He will put your attention on the car you have not bought. He will put your attention on the land you have not bought. It will put your attention on the marriage you have not had. It will put your attention on the child you have not had. It will put your attention on those things. And if you are a fool, you will also allow it. And ignore every other thing and say God is not good. Are you hear what I'm saying? So God is easy. What will happen is the moment you lose your focus, you lose every sense of value for everything working in your life. So that's when you see, you see this one. Eh? I just love school we went to school together. He has done this. She has done that. Eh? Me have not. See all my friends now. Eh? This one now is almost summertime. They are going on vacation. Me, I don't even have passports. Go and snap one. <laughs> At least if you don't have passports, you can have passport picture. Try to create humor in your own life. See, some people are traveling now. Years to come, they may not be able to travel again. It's better to start something when it can become normal in your life. Unlike you start it and 10 years later you can't go anywhere. You can't even fly from Lagos to Abuja. See, your clock, your life is not determined by somebody else's happening. Everybody's life has a calendar. Thank God for what is happening in your friend's life. It is not your life. Focus on what is happening. Focus on what is good. Some of us, your family may not have money, but you had good values growing up. Your parents didn't give you money, but they gave you morality. Some of us, it's not because you are that spiritual that you have been kept to you now. It's because of the parents you had. Because of the parents you had. There were things I never did because sometimes when I wanted to do it as a young person, something kept holding me back. I knew it was the prayer of my mother. Some of you, that's the good thing in your life that you had a praying mother. Some of you is that you had a disciplined father. Those are things that you can pay attention to. So focus on what is working. Focus on what is working because there is always something working. Number three, constantly maintain an attitude of gratitude. Depression usually gravitates in the direction of the cynic, the skeptic, and the ungrateful. So maintain an attitude of gratitude. Maintain an attitude of gratitude. Number four, Reduce your exposure to things, people, and places that depress you. Very important. Maybe I should say, reduce your virtual and physical exposure to the things, people, and places that depress you. So, if you are following someone online, and instead of being encouraged, each time you see their post, you are always discouraged. Please, unfollow them. It is not fight. I hear what I'm saying. People believe that if you follow... <laughs> There are people that I know very close to me that I've blocked before. And I will tell them, I've blocked you. 
I've had friends. I remember I used to have a friend. This was like three years ago. What's the we remember? The guy sells shoes and clothes. I'm not really much of a clothes person, but I love shoes. I love good shoes. He got to a point, I just realized every time I'd be asking, how much? Like our dear sister Precious, who have told her. I've blocked that several times on my WhatsApp. <laughs> I'm doing food marketing for you. She sells good shoes. I think she even sold the one I'm wearing this morning. You know? So I realize all the time, I'll be seeing shoes, shoes. I'll be asking, how much? How much? We deliver it. Send it. Ah! I just, is it not what you see that you'll be asking, how much? So I just block straight. I even told her, I told her my friends, I said, I blocked you before I used all my money to buy you. I blocked you. <laughs> See, if you notice that something is depressing you, protect your heart. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence. Ah, when you notice you have balance, unblock them again. Now I can see how much. You are getting depressed, block again. <laughs> is it not your timeline? Some of us, we literally use our money to buy things that depress us. As if they say, ah, no, you cannot unfollow, you cannot. Are you not the one that follow? They unfollow. So reduce your exposure. Reduce your exposure. Some of us, you have in your house many things you don't need. Many things. Many things. You know there are some guys that have PS5. Is there PS6? Five is the last one, I mean. That's standing one. That the last time they played it was January or February. But you know why they bought it? They saw it in other people's house. They saw it online. They saw how it stood on the console. Ah, nice gun. Some people don't even know how to play it. I remember we used to have a PS like that in the house. Maybe like four, three years ago. One day, I can't even remember who I gave. I just packed it. Said, who wants to take? Because we don't even play this thing. Because because of exposure. What you have been exposed to. So your life feels incomplete if you don't have it. Number four, or sorry, number five, avoid the sedentary lifestyle. Avoid the sedentary lifestyle. Sedentary. S-E-D-E-N-T-A-R-Y. Sedentary. It means you are inactive. Or maybe I say avoid an inactive lifestyle. Because you know why in psychology they say motion determines emotion. So the less active you are, the more prone you are to depression. That's why um, in therapy, those that are depressed, one of the things when they go for therapy, they say go and exercise. They tell you go and register at the gym. You know, get active. Because the more you are in a spot, the, you know, dust settles on things that are not emotion. So if you are always sedentary, always inactive, very soon depression will just settle on you. Avoid the sedentary lifestyle. Number next, celebrate and keep celebrating your achievements and reward your success. Celebrate and keep celebrating your achievements and reward your successes, no matter how small. You may not be where you want to be, but you are not where you used to be. If you have lost anything, God is the reason why you have not lost it all. Always remember that. Always remember that. Number seven, avoid being alone at all times. Get out there and mix with people. Avoid being alone at all times. Imagine Joseph when he was in the prison. If he had kept to himself. With the promise of God over his life and the vision God gave him. Do you know he would have died in prison? It was in moving around and mixing with other prisoners that he met the baker and the butler. And he said, why are you guys depressed? 
It means he was not depressed. Because somebody that is depressed does not care about who else is depressed. Does not care. Nobody else matters. <laughs> you see. So, and Joseph had the right to keep to himself. He had the right to be depressed. Because they accused him wrongly. He didn't do what they said he did. But what did Joseph do? He mixed with people. He moved around. He didn't stay on the same spot. So mix with people. Mix with people. Especially when you notice that that feeling is coming. Get out there and mix with people. That's one of the reasons why you are supposed to be a part of a church community. That's one of the advantages. That's why the Bible tells us not to do life alone. It says don't forsake the gathering together of the believer. Of, of the believers, right? So don't do life alone. You are not supposed to do life alone. Some of us literally, before you leave church today, you might need to walk up to some people and introduce yourself. Some people have this idea that at church, I just want to come, go, you know, do my thing. There is no such thing as do my thing in Christianity. I hear what I'm saying. I just like to do my thing. Yoruba, they say, Shadra and Shami. You say prayer, I say amen. That's it. No, that's not Christianity. Christianity is communal in nature. Next, surround yourself with mature people that you can be accountable to about your emotional state. Surround yourself with mature people you can be accountable. You can be accountable to about your emotional state. Surround yourself with mature people you can be accountable to about your emotional state. But next, live a spirit-filled life. Live a spirit-filled life. The reason why it's important to surround yourself with people you can be accountable to about your emotional state is this. They will help you snap out of it. Because the longer you are by yourself, the more, the stronger that hold, you see, um, gets on you. Number nine, live a spirit-filled life. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine when there is, wherein there is excess. It says, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. So to live a spirit life is to have, number one, surrender your heart to Christ and allow the Spirit of God to fill you up. So live a spirit-filled life. Live a spirit-filled life. Because it is impossible for depression to survive in the spirit where the, where the spirit of the Lord is. In the space where the spirit of the Lord is. That's why in the life of Saul, where we read earlier, depression did not have access until the spirit of God left. So it's impossible for depression because it is a spirit. It is more than a feeling. And last but not the least, is Bible-based self-talk. Bible-based self-talk. Bible-based self-talk has almost where um, sounds almost the same like where I started. You must learn to speak to yourself. Am I making sense? You must learn to speak to yourself. Psalms 42 and verse 5. We're going to wrap up there. Psalms 42 and verse 5. Psalms 42 and verse 5. Psalms chapter 42 and verse 5. Can we all read it together? Want to go? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Look at a man talking to his soul. Speaking to himself. So when you realize you are depressed or you are tending towards depression, you must learn to open your mouth and speak to yourself. Especially from scriptures. So, if you realize that depression is coming from something missing in your life, speak the promises of God to yourself as regards that area of your life. Remind yourself of what God has said about those areas of your life. I hear what I'm saying. Speak those things. Speak those things. Speak those things to yourself. 
I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a child of God. I know God will never leave me. I know he will never forsake me. My needs are met. My bills are paid. My debts are supernaturally cancelled. I live a life of abundance. I have more than enough. I live a life of superior quality and a life of excessive quantity. Everything works for me. Whatever is not working is going to work. The things already working will not stop working. God is on my side. God is for me. That's how you talk. You can't talk that way for a while and still be depressed. That's why you notice that one of the things that happens when you are depressed is you don't even feel like talking. The devil is smart. He shuts your mouth because he knows that's where your deliverance is. So you just notice that you don't feel like, even when people want to talk to you, you say, leave me, I don't feel like talking. Because he doesn't want you to talk. Because he knows the moment you open that mouth, that spirit will leave. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you this morning. For the seed of your word that's been sown in our hearts.